Well, Ben, I, I just have to say this to start. After all that, who pinch hit for who? Who did not pinch hit for who? Base running snafus, misplays in the field by the Red Sox. Some people score in extras, and then other people score to match it. A, a smidge over four hours of baseball today, and this game ends on a little dribbler that doesn't even make it halfway to the mound. That uh, wh- What else is there to say other than that's baseball? Because that that's just, it seems almost fitting that's the way this game ends today. Yeah, I mean, I you know, there's going to be a, a lot of talk about a lot of things. There were certainly a, a large number of negatives, frankly, in this game for the <laughs> Toronto Blue Jays. There's no way around it. And we're going to talk about them at the end of the day because of uh, a topped ball that was mishit so well that it didn't go out to third base quick enough. The Blue Jays pick up the win. And, and because of that, I, I think, frankly, as negative at times as this might become, this was a good day for the Toronto Blue Jays. We are beyond asking about how they win. They just have to win. They did win. And for at least the moment, they are back in wildcard position. That is Ben Shulman. I'm Show Ali. Welcome to Jays Talk across the Sportsnet radio network, streaming live on sportsnet.ca and on the Sportsnet app. We're taking your calls and texts. Phone lines are open. 416-870-0590, star590 on your cellular device. 590-590 is where you can text us. That is the people's text line, and it is always open. I will choose, Ben, I will choose, unless the callers direct me otherwise, to uh, to, to at least start positive. I'm going to start with some of the positives. Yeah. And, then, and then because they won, if, if, if they had lost on an equally – uh, mundane play, let's call it, then I think I would be more inclined to start with the negatives. But you know what? They win today, and they win the series against the Red Sox. They have a chance to sweep the Red Sox for a second time this year uh, to to try and continue to ascend in the wild card race. And we'll do the Bet365 standings update on the other side of the break in a couple of minutes. But uh, before before we do any of negatives, I do want to chat the positives. And I think, I mean, the, the positives for most games for the Blue Jays in 2023 are... It starts at the very least with the pitching, certainly the pitching and defense, but by and large the pitching. I, I got to say, apart from Jordan Hicks letting up the run in the ex, in extras, and, and certainly, yes, Bassett made the one mistake to Rafael Devers. But, I mean, Rafael Devers is one of the best hitters in the world, so I'm not sure that's something you're going you're gonna to be too, too down on. But, I mean, apart from maybe those two mistakes, the Blue Jays pitching staff was excellent all day long. I mean, Bassett... We can get to it in a moment, but just because we saw a bunch of the the relievers out there in extras, this game had went 13 innings, so we basically got an extra, what, three extra innings. You got to see Romano for two, Hicks for one, and Chad Green, all of whom I was, relatively speaking, impressed by. And again, you put a little asterisk next to impressed for, for Jordan Hicks, but then again, the run he allowed was the ghost runner. So, I don't know, I, I got to say I was very impressed by the outings of everyone, perhaps most of all by Jordan Romano. Yeah, I mean, Romano's the guy who who really did it. He came in and pitched two scoreless innings. He struck out probably, you know, the, the guy who gets him the most in the major leagues right now in Alex Verdugo, who has homered off of him twice yeah. this season. And, you know, as much as there's talk about the pitch usage, it is good he has that slider because Verdugo hit two homers off fastballs this year, and Romano just wouldn't give him one. Threw him three really good sliders. Verdugo looked a, a little bit over-anxious there maybe to try and make something happen, except for the last one, which was a perfectly placed pitch. He was phenomenal. 
uh, Chad Green, I mean, that's the best Chad Green we've seen, certainly in the yep. highest leverage moment. Yep. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what the, the rest of Chad Green's season is. To a certain extent, with how seriously injured he was last year, it's not that big of a deal what, what happens with him this year. But it's an exciting thing going forward as the Blue Jays have a very complicated multi-year deal with him. Eric Swanson was good. Tim Mesa was really good. I mean, Tim Mesa is like the yeah. king of getting lost in the fold, unfortunately, but just goes out and and has another phenomenal phenomenal appearance. Pardon me. It's been a long game. Uh, strikes out three guys <laughs> on four of his outs. And, and even Hicks, you know, at the, at the end of the day, uh, Jordan Hicks gives up a ground ball single. If it's not extra innings, it's still a really clean inning. And credit to him, at least after the ground ball single, he gets the strikeout over Rios with a runner in scoring position, keeps it a 3-2 game because the Blue Jays only end up scoring one in the bottom of the 12th. If Urias finds a way to get on or, or knock in a run there, it, maybe the Blue Jays don't have a chance to just squeak by in that 13th inning with the walk-off run. So the pitching was incredible. Bassett, who we'll get to soon too, was really, really good. I mean, this is one of the best starts we've seen from him in a long time. And, and again, it's just the way that they're going to win this year. We've learned that over, a, what now, like 143 games or, or actually more I think it is at this point 149 games they're a pitching team and, and their pitchers did a great job today yeah the, like again the bullpen was was so so good I can't can't overstate that enough and yeah Bassett seven innings four hits four hits the guy let up four hits over seven innings two runs both of which were earned they were the it was the home run off of Dever from Devers three walks yes not great uh five strikeouts he threw 110 pitches he actually got through the first three innings on 31 pitches thrown, so pretty efficient early on, but he did run into some trouble a little bit later on. Runners on the fifth, certainly the sixth when he walks, Willier Abreu. It was just a second walk at that time. Rafael Devers crushes a 94-mile-an-hour four-seamer, which was left over the plate, like just a little bit too much left over the plate. I don't think it was the worst pitch you've seen Bassett thrown, but again, Rafael Devers is legitimately one of the best pitchers, or pardon me, one of the best position players, one of the best hitters on planet Earth, so you know, it actually still was only a home run in a 11 of 30 ballparks, but of course one of those 11 is the Rogers Center, so it counts all the same. It, it was just so tough, right, because Bassett, and again, they win today, so it's, it, it matters a teensy bit less, but just generally speaking, Bassett was, Ben, he was, he was fantastic for five innings, then he makes the one mistake, and then he goes back out and it's still fantastic after that, but all of a sudden the Jays are trailing, and again, he only allows the four hits, yes, three walks, but only one of those walks ended up factoring into any sort of damage, which was the, the Abreu walk right before the Devers home run. It's just they really are, and I'm, I guess this is where you start to take the good with the bad a little bit, right? Because they really do just ask too much of the starting pitchers, really all of their pitchers. And it's, it's, they're very fortunate that their pitchers have delivered so much and as frequently as they have because they are just walking that tightrope every single inning. Like I've always likened it a little bit to... You know, like having your having your hand on the steering wheel as you're like white knuckle driving through a like a whiteout snowstorm. It just that's kind of how it always feels whenever you're evaluating the pitchers because one mistake from any of these guys, or maybe two or three mistakes, and they're allowed that tend to get a little more magnified. So you just again, a lot of what we're going to talk about coming up is going to certainly boil down to what the offense did. Certainly some base running. I'm sure some people will say there's a lot of luck involved. Those are probably all true. <laughs> all those things are true, but it's just. Boy, they, I just, I'm not sure. I, I was going to say, I'm not sure how much more sustainable it can be because 
you know, at the same time, they, they won today and they have done it for basically the entire year of, of getting all, basically almost to the wild card by having lots of power outages all season. But, boy, I mean, even in this, like, quote-unquote 15-game season that Schneider said uh, before the Friday game, I mean, that's it's even in, in a small sample size, you still want to have some more runs to support your starting and your relief pitching. Yeah, I mean, it's not good. I, I don't think at this point it's really going to change, frankly, no, because it, it's way too late. I, I would call it like moderately sustainable. You wouldn't think it's sustainable, but then again, they are 15 games above 500. Like they're not a, a bad baseball team, but at the end of the day, no, it's not good. And part of the reason that we've spent so much of this year talking about minute things like base running, you know, when, when someone makes a base running mistake and you're up seven runs, no one cares. Like at the end of the day, it, it's when every 90 feet matters so much, like it does to this team right now, that's when you can't make the base running mistakes. I mean, yeah. it's never good to make them. Don't get me wrong, but they are, not producing enough until that ninth inning vladimir guerrero jr was the only guy who had driven in a run in the previous three games or the eight innings of this game like it's i mean you know three homers in three games he and arelvis martinez who did it today at buffalo as well you know good for that but it's it's not a really great formula it's done just enough to keep them around but yeah if they if they were even above league average because they're 17th right now i believe in runs scored in major league baseball they're two three wins maybe maybe even more better than that and that's all the difference right now it is what it is though at this point again like it's they made a lot of mistakes they did not play all that well today but in this final month of the season it really just matters if you win or lose and they did win so you have to take it generally as a positive day even if it wasn't the most comfortable positive day there is 416-870-0590 star 590 on your cell we'll go to the text line in a little bit 590-590 name and location let's start off with eddie in fort erie eddie what's on your mind welcome to j thank you gentlemen uh first of all i gotta say my blood pressure was at an all-time high and now after this victory it's back down uh, to earth with this team i mean oh my gosh it's been crazy and i gotta tell you this on the next road trip vladdy better buy uh uh with dinner on the next road trip because he really saved uh, uh his bacon there because imagine if he didn't score on that uh ball that was caught by the center fielder where there was nobody else. I don't know what would have happened next. I mean, that was just bad. As a matter of fact, the whole base running today was was terrible. And um, But I'm not going to fault Kirk for trying to go to second base. I mean, he was trying to do that, but um, it's, it's just been that way all year. But you know what? I'm glad we got the win, and uh, hopefully we'll get the uh, the sweep, you know? I'm very happy. I am happy with the, with the result, though. Yeah, Eddie, thanks for the call, man. Thanks for joining us on Jay's Talk. Yeah, it's uh, the base running was not good. Like, there's like, there, there's no way. No, it wasn't he, just he, Vladdy's play either. I mean, there were multiple plays in this game that were really bad base running. And, and like, the Kirk one, to, to Eddie's point, I actually sure. think is the most forgivable because that one was, to a certain extent, physical error. He just didn't get there. Uh, but there were, there were three different times that I counted between Vlad and and Springer and Bichette, yeah. where guys yeah. could have tagged and didn't. Yeah, the so okay, let's see. There are a couple of ones there. So let's certainly Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in extras, not great. No, knowing that you are the the runner, 
the the ghost runner, the automatic runner, whatever you want to call it, at second base, knowing that you are there, you got to be prepared to be tagging all the time. And David Schneider gave that ball a ride, and I, I actually, for the quickest of seconds, good for Raffaella for getting his glove glove underneath it on that one. But I legitimately thought the way it was curving, because you can kind of see it from up here in the booth from behind home plate, it was curving towards the ga- gap of between uh, center and right. And it, I honestly wasn't sure Rafaela was going to get there. He did. It was a very impressive play, i got to say. But Vladdy's got to know better, right? If, if Verdugo's the one catching that ball, then yeah. I'm not sure you want to test it because Verdugo, he did that exact thing to, uh, to Alejandro Kirk. But uh, I don't know. Like that's, it's, it's definitely not the greatest of looks. I think it is, for, for me at least, it is on the balance of what you got from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. today. I think it, it is balanced out a little bit by the fact that he had a home run and had two walks and had a single as well. So I, I take it, you kind of like look at all of it in, in like an overall uh, evaluation as, as to the good and the bad from Vladdy. But the Kirk thing, yeah, it wasn't my favorite decision, but I think, like you said, it is a little excusable because he gets a pretty solid hit off of Sale, bottom five. It's, it was the first hit off of sale all game up until that point. Yeah. And, yeah, he, and he gets thrown out at second, trying to stretch it into a double. Look, I, I do appreciate Kirk trying to hustle, especially after the conversation that I'm sure everyone was having yesterday. But on the other hand, the ball went right off the wall, right to Verdugo, right? Like it went – like the ball was in Verdugo's hand by the time Kirk was like a third of the way around first base. I'm just not sure that was the best decision. But at the same time, I don't know. It's – Again, a little bit more forgivable because it was that he basically broke up a no hitter in the fifth inning, essentially. But uh, yeah, the the Springer rounding third on a play where he was there was no chance of him scoring. There was a zero percent chance of him scoring. I have no idea why he took the round around third and then had to dive back. He's lucky Connor Wong decided not to throw the ball to the third baseman on that one. But yeah, some really odd, perplexing decisions, uh, Ben, when it comes to base running today. Yeah, and there was the the Davis Schneider liner to right field, and who knows if Bobachek could score on Verdugo on that play. But uh, I I think that you know tagging at least would have been probably the preferable idea. Bo ends up staying a bit off the bag, and I actually I meant to say uh, Merrifield. I want to clarify, and not Springer. And Merrifield's was certainly more excusable when he got doubled off. It was a, a bang bang play. Right. Yeah. He does yeah. though end right. up taking one step to third base initially, and and again. That one, I think, is on a different level in a positive way like than some of the other ones. But because he doesn't freeze on that liner, like the one step was all the difference. He just got beat to the bag there by, I believe, uh, Luis Arias, I think it was, uh, at second base. So, yeah, they they did not help themselves out today in, in a couple different ways. And, uh, you know, frankly, it's, it's not acceptable for a team to make multiple outs like that when they – aren't hitting enough. Like it's one thing if, if you're the highest scoring offense in baseball, it's still not right. good, but you, you can't be giving it away in a game like that with, with what's going on. I, I just, I just don't see the purpose of it. I went back by the way, to look at the, the Kirk double and he was given neither a kind of a wave or a stop sign from Mark Budzinski on, on that ball. So I, I'm not sure if there was any messaging coming from there, if it was a Kirk decision overall. Uh, but I, I do at least somewhat sympathize with, they just had nothing going, yeah. and a runner on second base would have been so huge for them. And, and you know, maybe not a lot of faith that they would have strung together. You know, if he's on first, got to string together multiple hits to get him in. It's a little bit easier if he's on second in that situation. But, uh, again, they did, they did not base run well today, and they did not hit well today. They hit just enough, kind of, uh, and ended up benefiting from, uh, you know, a, a Red Sox mistake in the ninth inning. And, and, hey, they end up with the victory. 
Ben, I'm not going to lie. When when Varsho hit the ball bottom nine over the head of Rafaela for what would have essentially been the final play of the game, when it flies over his head, everyone in the booth stood up. Like, I didn't see if Tom stood up, but e- everyone's Ben, Ben, <laughs> and myself, we all literally jumped out of our chairs because it, it, it looked from the vantage point, because you're basically looking at center field head on, right? Like, it's right in front of you, as, as you know, obviously. And and it looked like he was going to catch it. And then all of a sudden, the ball is around, back but beyond going, rolling to the wall. Varsha was running around. It's just sheer chaos. It was there. There is certainly an element of luck in that, because it was that's completely on the young uh, rookie, Rafael the center fielder completely misplaying that ball, but it's it is I can I, I couldn't believe how unlikely of a play that was for it to essentially turn the game as it did because the game would have otherwise been over. It probably shouldn't have gone to extras if we're being honest. And and this game ended up going 13 innings like that. If you're talking about like infraction points, that's going to big big be a big one be big a big one if not the biggest one. Pardon me, but uh, boy, that's just a. I, I don't know what your reaction was, but that that yeah. was a, a pretty fun one went up here in the booth. I mean, it was wild. I I thought that you know, like it was. I thought that ball was hit right at him. I kind of thought the game was over. Uh, and it is, you know, you do hear guys say a lot that the ball hit right at you is the hardest one to judge, especially on a line, because you know, I, I think a lot of outfielders, rightly so, assume that the ball is not coming right at them it's really hard to judge the distance when that's happening usually you're like okay i gotta run back i gotta run forward but when you think it might be hit right at you you kind of freeze a little bit and i mean a freeze certainly would have helped rafaela there he is also a rookie and i kind of feel for him a little bit he's out there you know for the first like 10 15 games of his major league career so that's gonna happen and a lot of people texting in that it was lucky i certainly do think it is and i think we've been on a couple games this year where defensive plays for other teams like errors or something like that have contributed to blue Jays wins. I will say while it is lucky, the blue Jays are set up to benefit from being a better defensive team than the teams they play. And to a certain extent it's lucky in this game, but should they win more games because of their defense than other teams? And should they lose less games, which is the same thing because of their defense than other teams? Yes. And that is the benefit of going after uber defensively talented outfielders like Dalton Varsho and Kevin Kiermaier. I mean, way lost in the mix early in this game is a sliding catch from Kevin Kiermaier. Like the Blue Jays are typically not making those plays that some other teams are going to make that don't have the defensive outfield that Toronto sports. I see a bunch of texts here in the text line. I see uh, one from... Keith and Coquitlam, hey show, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, the cans ha- can't hit, what the eyes can't see, works in baseball too, and then Keith, yeah, it says awful base running, not great, agreed, yeah, I uh, 100% agreed, uh, I see one here from Justin and Perry Sound, hey show, we have to embrace these wins, at the end of the day, with this team, a win is a win, take it and go on, a lot of that sentiment actually on this one, I see another one here, there's no name on this one, shoot your name when you send us texts, so we can give you a shout out, but this one says, they don't ask how, they ask how many, a win is a win, uh, let's continue taking your phone calls as well 416-870-0590 star 590 on your cell uh simon joining us from halifax simon how's the weather out in halifax you doing all right uh you know what right now it could be better that's for sure well i, I thank you for joining us we appreciate you listening on the radio and uh, texting calling in thanks for joining us man absolutely i just want to talk about whit merrifield today you know he's been going through a rough uh, rough patch for quite a while now and i think you know, with the blunder when he was up there and he swung at that pitch way outside in a big moment, I think that him getting this hit 
him getting the win for us today is a really big, uh, really big moment for him. And I think that it could kind of turn the tide on him for the rest for these last 15 games. We could definitely use them. That's for sure. Yeah. Hey, Simon, thanks for joining us, man. Stay safe out there in Halifax. We appreciate you joining us on Jay's talk. And certainly we think thinking of everyone out there in the, uh, in the Maritimes uh, look on Simon to Simon's point, Ben on Whit Merrifield. I mean, he, like he just, he has really been struggling. Eh? Like he is like, I, I can only imagine when you are a professional athlete, not even just a, a baseball player, right? If this is, if you're a, a quarterback who's been struggling, if you're a running back or a wide receiver, if you're a, I don't know, a point guard or a forward, you're, you're a center or a left or right wing, whatever, right? Like whatever, whatever it may be. And, and you are struggling. You're like really going, you're in the weeds. You're, you don't really see a way out. And again, it's, it's a dribbler, not even back to the mound for Wade. But for him to, to succeed in a big moment, get the walk-off interview with Arden, all those things, it, it, like, it's got to feel good, right? You hope that's something you can build on, even if it's not something that's probably going to score a run every time it happens, probably isn't out more often than not, or, or at the very least like a swinging bunt to get you to first base, if not the game-winning run of an extra inning ball game. But that's got to feel pretty darn good for Whit Merrifield because he's been really struggling in, you know, ba- basically I would say the most of the month of August and certainly a lot of September so far. Yeah, I, I mean, August, September combined, this is before today's game, but today's game right. won't help his stats out. But, you know, hitting about 200, and he doesn't hit for a lot of power, and he doesn't walk a ton. So you, you really need him, you know, hitting for a lot of contact. And and it, it's somewhat understandable. I mean, you know, he's a guy that that's 34. They've played him a ton in the outfield this year, and he's already talked about more than once this year the toll that it takes on him to play the outfield traditionally more of an infielder and especially a second baseman but yeah you wonder if that jolts him a little bit you know at the end of the day uh they you know they need Whit Merrifield producing and even something simple like that I mean you know someone's gonna like buy him a beer tonight and, and they were all showering uh you know the the ice on him and dumping water on him and and you know he is the hero today you wonder how much that does for a guy emotionally with just you know about two weeks to go in this season can that not just for him for everyone but especially for him give just kind of a, a little bit of, of a fire there that he can help use at the plate and, and maybe a little pressure off as well after going through it the last you know month and a half now he comes up with a big moment and maybe he's thinking a little bit less about some of the struggles recently and thinking more about the fact that you know however ugly it was he helped them win the game today with a huge moment and hopefully he can come out and help them win a game tomorrow uh with you know maybe uh, some base hits to the outfield yeah what merrifield he, he has been so important to this team for so much of the year as a guy who basically plays all the time right like he plays every single day there was a like there was a bit of a I don't know. I don't really know how to classify it. I don't. I don't really want to label it like a, a questionable moment necessarily because of everything Merrifield has done for this team basically all season long. But there was that moment in the top of the fourth inning as well where Turner hits the blooper into left, and neither Bo or Witt gets there quick enough. And it kind of looked like to me that Merrifield like pulls up at the last second because Bo was barreling in there. I, I do kind of wonder as well if if like some of the the down moments for Merrifield in, re, in recent, which is why I think it's so so great for him to get a game winning hit today I couldn't be happy for the guy but I, I I wonder if it's some combo of him certainly on that specific play he was playing very deep right so I think he had to, he had to come in a lot to get the ball uh, and Justin Turner has gone yard quite a bit this year certainly for, for a guy of his age but he, he's also kind of struggled a little bit in the last couple of weeks with like leg 
groin tightness in the last little while. So it, it, while it was unusual to see no one come up with that one, and Verdugo struck out right, right after that, so it really only cost Bassett like five, I think four or five extra pitches in the end, which is so good, no harm, no foul. But I do kind of wonder if maybe just injuries and, and it's it's a you know attrition sets in for basically every player and every sport, especially when you get to the the last 14, 13 games of the season. So I'm, I, I kind of wonder if that's also part of the equation whenever we talk about Merrifield these days. Yeah, I mean, it's totally valid. Before playing 139 games last year, Whit Merrifield played every single baseball game possible from 2019 to 2021. And, you know, he's played in a lot of games this year in a lot of different spots. And I it would be absolutely understandable and forgivable if fatigue was setting in on him at this point in the season, at this point in his career with how much they've demanded from him. I mean, this, this team was really carried by Whit Merrifield for a lot of July. He was so phenomenal for them. And it's understandable if that combination of a lot of playing time, a lot of moving around, and like you said, some of those nagging ailments could have come together to slow him down. But for the Blue Jays, they, they got from him what they needed from him at the right time. And I will say, as as lucky as a topper to third base is, Whit Merrifield swings for contact, and there is certainly a lot of value in that. He puts the ball in play at a high rate. The Blue Jays as a team, frankly, put the ball in play at a high rate, but he is right at the crux of that. And because of that, the Blue Jays had a chance to win. 416-870-0590, star 590 on your cell. Let's go to Justin in Barry. Justin, what's on your mind? Welcome to Jays Talk. Hey, show. Hey, what's going on? We are doing well, doing well after a, well, a nice extra inning. It's it's nice, Justin, to get a win after four hours of baseball, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. It's uh, definitely a gut-wrenching game. I want to say a couple of things. Uh, it's nice seeing Rayo go, uh, you know, hitting very well these days and going, you know, three consecutive days in a home run. I mean, I we can keep that going for the next 13 games, right? Um, what I want to talk to you guys about is I was really surprised that Schneider didn't pitch hit. Uh, off Matt Chapman, I think it was the seventh inning, bases were loaded. I don't know what the, what the stats are for Chapman, but his hitting has been like the worst in baseball, I'm sure. And bases loaded. The Jays had an opportunity there to, you know, really, really do some damage. The, the pitcher was right, so it was right on right. I was just surprised that Snyder didn't put in Biggio. Biggio's been playing well at third. He's been hitting really well. Just wanted to get you guys' thoughts on that. Sure. Appreciate the call, Justin. Uh, thanks for joining us on Jays Talk. So, yeah, I think there were a lot of diff- different spots where I think. Biggio could have come into the game. He ended up coming in not for Espinal, but for Chapman in the uh, in the seventh inning. It was it was interesting. Like if Vladdy gets the home run and Schneider strikes out, that Espinal was not pinch hit for against the righty and Josh Winkowski. Like he draws a walk in the end, so I guess it's fine. But because of Espinal's splits against lefties being much better much better versus against righties, I was thinking Ben that Biggio would come up, but whatever. Espinal gets aboard, good for him. But still. I was surprised for Biggio to not be used, given both, I guess, the power compared to Espinal, but also just he's just generally played well, which you and I have talked about recently. And then again, later on, his spot comes back up to not see Biggio, and it was just it was just odd because Biggio looked like he was ready to go in. There was I think there was a shot of him stretching in the dugout, and we don't see it. And then Biggio comes in for Chapman a little bit later on. So ultimately, Biggio does get into this game, I think rightly. But it was kind of odd that it took that long for Biggio to get in. A lot of a lot of like kind of what ifs in terms of why guys were or were not pinch it for, including perhaps the Kiermaier and Clement situation earlier as well. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, and, and specifically on the first and third situation, I, I have to say, actually, first and foremost, because we got a lot of like 
text and a and a tweet i believe about kind of grouping together like the kiermaier and clement right, and, right. The, and the espinal biggio situations personally i was actually a little bit more surprised by the by the pulling kiermaier and just to get into that quickly because i know we're a little up against it kiermaier you know i i think he hits lefties well he's a clutch guy with a lot of experience uh, you know, and, he, and even if you don't believe in clutch, he's a guy who's played in a lot of big games. He came up with a huge late hit against the Kansas City Royals less than a week ago. Uh, and, and, you know, he's a guy that, frankly, even with the limited sample size success of Ernie Clement, I, I'm, I'm putting my faith more in Kevin Kiermeyer in a moment like that. I will say on the first and third for Espinal, I I don't mind it, even though I think I've, I've been a, a pretty ardent uh, supporter of Biggio's value for a lot of this year. Just because they needed a single, there were two outs. And although, uh, you know, Biggio is a lefty, it's a righty on the mound, and Espinal hits right. Espinal actually still hits for a higher average against right-handed hitting than Kevin Biggio does. Biggio hits about 212 against right-handed pitching, and Espinal, I think it's about 230 against right-handed pitching. So I didn't hate that decision because Biggio is a lot uh, of walks and a lot of extra base hits. Now it's become a lot more consistent recently, certainly, but I I didn't hate that one as much because I thought they needed a single in that spot. And I think Espinal probably gives you a better shot purely just at a single at getting a base hit than Kevin Biggio does. At at least the batting averages support that. And I will say, while I, I think there are definitely some good questions to raise about deployment, it did generally work for them that they pinch hit Kevin Biggio in the ninth inning. He came up with a very important hit uh, that if he had not been in in that spot, if he had been in an earlier spot, they, you know, they wouldn't have necessarily tied the game. Now, you never know. Maybe he pinch hits earlier and ties the game sure. anyway. Who knows? But uh, it wasn't like the deployment of Biggio failed. He ended up hitting in the ninth and scoring the tying run and then walking again, I think, in like the 11th inning. Boy, Ben, I, I got to say, uh, if, if there's someone like shaking their fist at the sky about what Chapman getting pinch hit for, if there's anyone, it's probably like Scott Boris. It's probably not going to look probably not going to look great <laughs> ultimately uh, in the in the offseason <laughs> when you're when your star client who is uh, who who is arguably going to be the best position player available. He might, might not even be arguable. I think he is the best position player available this coming offseason. Uh, and then he gets pinch hit for for a guy who like barely plays uh, coming into this season. Boy, that's that's probably not going to look great. But uh, hey, I mean, it, it certainly worked out for the Blue Jays because Matt Chapman still without a hit since coming off the IL a couple of days ago, and Kevin Biggio has been playing very very well. So again, Biggio certainly factoring into this uh, Blue Jays four three thirteen inning win in a major way. Uh, let's take a quick break, Ben. And when we come back, we'll go back to the phone lines, go back to the text line as well. Still a lot to get to, and certainly we will take a look at the Bet365 standings watch as well. More Jays talk on the other side. You're listening to it across the Sportsnet radio network. Welcome back to Jays talk on the Sportsnet radio network. Show Ali, Ben Shulman with you for a couple more minutes. Before we go back to the text line, let's get to the Major League Standings Watch presented by Bet365. Download the Bet365 app and check out the latest odds for today's baseball games. 19-plus, play responsibly, Ontario only. And Ben, it's funny because a lot of these games that are going to affect whether or not the Blue Jays stay in a wildcard spot are actually either on right now or will begin later tonight. 
The uh, Rangers are taking on the Guardians right now. They are leading one nothing after getting hammered yesterday. And this game matters a little bit less. Orioles are ahead of the Rays. They are up 4 nothing after losing the first two games of this series. Astros-Royals, that game just got started. Top of the first inning as I look at it right now. Astros and Royals showing zeros at the beginning of this one. But the one that I think will largely affect what goes on by the time the first pitch flies tomorrow, Dodgers and Mariners, 940 Eastern, 640 Pacific. Clayton Kershaw, Bryce Miller, in that one. So if we look at the wild card standings right now following the Blue Jays' win, the Blue Jays and the Mariners are tied, essentially. For, the Mariners are slightly ahead by winning percentage, 551 to the Blue Jays' 550, but the Blue Jays are 82-67. and 67. They are just behind the Mariners, who are 81-66, and 66, who are a game behind the Rangers, 82-65, and 65, and they are nine games behind the Tampa Bay Rays, 92-57. and 57. So a lot hinges, I suppose, on Clayton Kershaw. You're a Clayton Kershaw fan if you're a Blue Jays fan I think tonight I, I think that's a great spot to be he's like the greatest pitcher or one of uh, of the entire <laughs> generation so I you know I, I think if uh if if you're hinging your hopes on Clayton Kershaw that's been a good bet for about 15 years now so yeah the Blue Jays do ultimately have to finish ahead of the Seattle Mariners because they don't have the tiebreaker on them or ahead of the Texas Rangers and don't sleep on on Houston only being a game and a half ahead of the Blue Jays now and they don't have the tiebreaker on Toronto but uh, yeah certainly uh, a lot going on and you definitely help out your out-of-town scoreboard when you win that's a quick check of the standings watch presented by bat 365 uh, Ben we got a couple minutes left here I do want to point this out about Chris Bassett who, who has largely been phenomenal all season long so consistent he pitches he gets deep into games almost every single time out the ra- it's a rarity it feels like when he does not go deep into games uh, so he entered today at 178 and two-thirds innings pitch, which was good for 10th in Major League Baseball, and then he throws seven innings. That I think that pushes him, unless these, the rest of these guys have pitched today, Logan Webb, Zach Gallen, Garrett Cole, and Sandy Alcantara, the only guys who have pitched more than 182 and two-thirds. So uh, Chris Bassett now in the top five in innings pitched in all of baseball, still with about two starts to go. I mean, that's pretty impressive. He like pro- he probably won't get to 200 just because I don't think it's even mathematically possible for him to get to 200. Maybe it is, but just by a smidge. Um, never do math on the air. But uh, Chris Bassett, though, <laughs> has been he's been so consistent for so much of the season. It's really cool to see him to get to that a, a mark where he has now pitched more innings this season than he has ever had in a single season before. It's very impressive. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, a lot of a starting pitcher's value is can you – like not just eat up the innings, but can you pitch through a lot of innings? And for Chris Bassett, he has provided a ton of value for the Blue Jays in that fact. I mean, imagine he doesn't go as deep today and they have to go to 13 innings. They're in a lot of trouble, but because he went so deep, they really didn't have to stray away from anyone uh, that wasn't leverage in a 13 inning game. Like that is a luxury. Absolutely. So he is, you know, I, I think, probably the biggest positive out of today's game. It's hard to pick because, you know, Vladdy hits another home run, sliding sure. catch, starts a 3-6-3. Uh, Kevin Biggio, pinch hit, walk, had that nifty glove flip to, to Bo Bichette as well on, on what was almost a 4-6-3 double play in extra innings. But I, I think I settle with Bassett as, as being the biggest positive today. He has been huge for the Blue Jays, and uh, and they benefited greatly from it. Absolutely, they did, and the Blue Jays will try and wrap up the sweep tomorrow in the final game of the season against the Boston Red Sox. Thank you for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, brought to you by Crown Rust Protection. New and used vehicle prices are rising, and inventory is scarce. Avoid the hassle 
of buying prematurely by making your vehicle last longer with Crown Rust Protection. For a special offer on rust protection, visit crown.com today. For Ben Shulman, Ben Wagner, Ben Nicholson-Smith, Tom Young, Andrew Adams, Nick Blackmore, I'm Show Alley. Thanks for being with us. Blue Jays get to do it all again tomorrow, once again against the Red Sox. Hyunjin Ryu will take the mound against Canada's own Nick Pavetta. Ben and I are back to wrap up the series down here at the Rogers Center. We'll talk to you later.